Good morning again. I invite you to take your Bibles and open to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Just a reminder also, mothers, a small gift to you. Of course, we have our Dairy Queen Blizzard coupons, so make sure to grab one of those as you make your way out today. And you have my permission that when you buy that, you do not have to share that, a bite of it with anybody, okay? Okay? You have my permission to be selfish in that sense, as if you needed my permission for that anyways. But uh, uh, small gift to you, and enjoy something sweet. Find your way to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 21 this morning. It's on page 737. If you use a pew Bible, page 737 in the pew Bible. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for Christ. Thank you that through the ups and downs, we have Christ. We have someone who is there with us. We are united with him, and ultimately it is not us, but you working in us through Christ. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Lord, the difficulties of life we could not face on our own. Lord, we need Jesus. Lord, thank you for giving him to us, not only for our salvation, but also in our growth in Christ's likeness and our ultimate glorification. Lord, help us now as we come to your word that we be encouraged and challenged by it, the example of these young men in Daniel chapter 1, and the pattern and the truths for us that we can apply today. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 21. Please follow along as I read. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had an understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which with the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Today is Mother's Day. And perhaps one of the things that your mother said to you often, again and again, as a child is, make sure you eat your vegetables. And how many of you said, yes, of course, give me all the vegetables? 
No, right? Now, I have a daughter who will eat all the vegetables. We have to say, eat your meat. Um, we cut up some peppers last night, and I don't know if she ate a whole sweet pepper herself, but I just, she just, every time I looked over, she had a piece in her mouth just chewing down on it, right? Now, some of the vegetables we might like. Others say, no, thank you. My wife likes broccoli. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of broccoli because broccoli tastes a little funny, and it smells and not like in a good way, right? <laughs> vegetables, eat your vegetables. Growing up, there was the, the food pyramid, right? And you had the, the grains and the meats and, and dairy and, and fruits and vegetables. It's part of a balanced, healthy diet. And now the pyramid, instead of going up, it's like, it's different. You know, they always change it. But eat your vegetables. It'll make you big and strong. Popeye ate his spinach. It's why he was so strong. And this passage... We see this interaction between Daniel and his caretakers, those who were in authority over him, and they sought not to defile him themselves. And they proposed that they would eat only vegetables. Now, this passage is not about a specific diet that you need to go on. In fact, this passage has been wrongly exegeted that way. Several years ago, there was a plan came out that's called the Daniel Diet. I'm not joking. There's books, there's DVDs on it. Major publishers put it out. The Daniel Diet. This is not promoting a specific diet of vegetables only. Because God created many good gifts. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter has a vision and there's lots of meat out on the sheet. And they can eat it, right? What do they eat at the Passover? Lamb. There's many instances of eating all kinds of good food that God has given to us. So, it's more than just eating only vegetables, this passage. What is going on here? Well, the very first verse in this section lays it out for us. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Daniel and his friends, if you remember, have been taken into exile. They're probably around the age of 14 or 15. Taken from their homes against their will. Everything that they've known, everything that they're used to in a different nation with different languages and customs that worships false gods. And the worship of these false gods would be integrated into everything that they are learning. And here they are, these young men, placed in this difficult situation. It could be easy for them just to go with the flow. Nobody's going to know. They're a thousand miles from home. It doesn't matter. I can eat whatever I want and worship whatever I want. My God has abandoned me. Perhaps everyone else is doing it. They're just going to fit right in. But yet here we read of their faithful resolve to worship God and worship Him alone. Our big idea from this passage is this, is that God honors faithful resolve to worship Him alone in the face of cultural pressure. God honors faithful resolve to worship Him alone. Not to worship anything else but Him alone in the face of cultural pressure. And it really is cultural pressure. They are here in Babylon, and they are being indoctrinated with the way of thinking of the Babylonians. And that involves education and history and language and those things that aren't necessarily right or wrong, but just the matter of fact, but then also the worship of their false gods and how the food plays into that. So we're going to read here how their faithful resolve to worship God alone 
in the midst of difficult circumstances and amazing cultural pressure, God honors them and how that applies to us today. So let's look here. We have three points. Uh, what faithful resolve means in our lives today. So first off, faithful resolve means seeking God's standard. Means seeking God's standard. Verse one, or verse, excuse me, verse eight. But Daniel resolved, this was an inner resolution, an inner basically stubbornness saying, I'm not going to do this. He's made up his mind. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Daniel has decided, and with his friends with him, so if I say Daniel, we know that his friends are included there, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael. They've resolved, they've decided that they will not defile themselves. Now that word defile is important. It's a, it's a term of worship, defilement. It's the idea of being ceremonially unclean. So if you think of the book of Leviticus and the Mosaic law, the Israelites would become unclean if they did a variety of things. If they touched a dead body, if they uh, uh, touched certain blood or certain animals, if they ate certain things, they would be deemed unclean, unfit for worship. They would be put outside the camp. And, and God had the dietary laws that he's given to them. Eating certain animals and eating animals in a certain way, not boiling a goat in its mother's milk, making sure all the blood was drained from the meat. And, more than likely, not eating food that was offered to pagan gods as a result of sacrifice or worship. So as Daniel and his friends resolved, decided they would not defile themselves, make themselves ceremonially unclean. Hundreds of miles from home, abandoned in a sense into this cesspool of all kinds of belief and people and thoughts and actions, Daniel and his friends resolved that they themselves would seek to obey God's standard, to not defile themselves with the eating of the food. And I already mentioned how they would do that. Through food that was unclean, according to the Mosaic law, or food that was offered to a pagan god. And with the wine that he drank, there are numerous historical sources that cite that wine was often used in pagan worship in Babylon, worshiping their gods. So it's not the fact that they wouldn't drink wine because it may have been alcoholic. No, the, the Israelites, of course, drank the fruit of the vine often. It was a common everyday drink, but the aspect of it is that it was offered to a false god. Food that was against the law of Moses. More than likely, this food would have included pork and other meats, and the way that the food was prepared would have been an issue also. Both of these things would have made Daniel and his friends unclean. But they resolved to not partake. They resolved themselves to try and remain clean. Why? Because they sought to love God and worship Him according to God's standards. Now don't view this as a type of legalism. right? That I'm... I'm I'm 
garnering a standing before God because of my actions. No, because of their love and worship of God, they want to do this. Because they love God and are resolved to follow him and obey him, they don't want to defile themselves. That is why they're doing this. Think of the ways that Daniel could have justified his actions, right? Well, no one will know. No, no, it's not like my, my parents are here. I have to go to the, the temple or worship. Nobody's going to know. What about this? Well, I'm probably never going to go back to Judah, so who cares if I'm unclean? I'm not going to worship in the temple again. You know what? God brought us here. God's abandoned us. Who cares? Forget you, God. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with whatever is given to me. There are a lot of ways that Daniel could have justified himself in lowering his standards of partaking and participating in these this pagan feasts. And the food would have been good. It's not like he's turning down like a bologna and cheese sandwich on like Wonder Kids bread and some you know day-old carrots that already have some you know fuzzies growing on them or anything like that. This would have been the best of the best. This would have been a feast for every meal of turning that down. Yet Daniel and his friends resolved. He didn't give in to the pressure of the other young men around him. Imagine their peer pressure of, hey, why, why do you have to stick out? Have you ever thought that? I've, I've thought of that before. Right? You're in a group and something's happened. There's always that one person who has to make an exception. right? And I don't like that, but sometimes I can be that person. Then my wife lovingly reminds me, hey, don't be that person. <laughs> right? Why, why do you think you get special treatment? Why, why, why do you get an exception? But Daniel didn't give in to that pressure. There'd probably be several hundred younger, young boys around him at the same time. And let me tell you, 14, 50-year-old boys are very understanding, very merciful and gracious, and I'm sure would understand, Right? No. <laughs> it probably would be a hard crowd to be around. It'd just be easier to go with the flow and stop making things difficult. Sticking out in this way would have not been advantageous to Daniel and his friends. Their faith in God and his ways overruled all these thoughts and excuses that they could make. They set their hearts to not defile themselves, to honor God's standard in the face of difficulty and pressure around them from peers, and from the culture itself. Our hearts yearn to worship God. I'm sure if I asked any of you in here, do you want to worship God? Do you want to live for him in all that you say, think, and do? And, and I'm sure the answer would be yes. Yes, I do. But how easily do we become swayed by the world when things get hard? when things aren't easy, when our faith makes things complicated, then all of a sudden, I don't know about this whole following God thing. Well, I think this is okay. I think I can do this. Nobody else is going to know. There are no other believers around. No, no, this is going to make a deal. These people know I'm cool. Our standards slip from what honors God to being part of the world 
the fitting in to those standards. Finding pleasure in things that the world does that does not honor God. Daniel resolved to not defile himself by setting his resolve on God's standard, on what God called him to, out of love for God. As we are followers of Jesus Christ, he calls us, as we read from Philippians 1, to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. That word worthy is not like we need to earn it. You are worthy to receive the gospel, but it really, uh, that, that term means as evidenced by. So we live our lives evidencing that we believe the gospel. This is what you say you believe, and yeah, you can see it. Just as Daniel and his friends resolved not to defile themselves, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to live, ourselves, live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel by which we've been called. To set our minds on things above, Paul says in Colossians 3. To live our lives as spiritual worship, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12 says to lay aside the sin and the, the weight that so easily ensnares us. Jesus says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. May we set the standards of our life, the desires of our heart on God, and not according to the pressures of the world around us. Secondly, faithful resolve also means respectful disagreement with authority. When we are faithfully resolved to honor God, there's going to be some friction with authority in our life or other people in our life. Because not everyone that we know or interact with is where we're at in a spiritual walk. Even other believers there might be disagreements with. And if you work in the world around us in any form or any shape of a job that uh, unbelievers are around, there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be issues where our faith, even just in personal relationships, where it may cause some friction. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with disagreement? Faithful resolve of honoring God means that we respectfully disagree with authority. Daniel's desire and his friends was not to defile himself. And so what did he do? Did Daniel just say, well, forget you. I'm just going to throw this food under the table. I'm going to make a big stink. I'm just going to do it my way, and who cares what you think? No. The end of verse 8. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel goes to the individual who's over him. The chief eunuch or chief administrator is a better translation than eunuch, actually. Um, and the, kind of the, the, the governor or manager, that idea. And he goes to him and says, can we not eat this so we don't defile ourselves? Daniel is respecting the authority that God has placed over him. Even though it's sinful, and a pagan, somebody who doesn't fear the Lord, not a Jew, Daniel still submits himself to this authority and he requests, hey, can we not eat this food? Because it's going to go against our own personal beliefs. That right there is, is insane in my thinking. Maturity from a 14 or 15 year old boy, but still the idea that he would ask that it would be all right. That idea of submitting ourselves to authority in that sense, that's not in our human nature. We love to fight against oppression. We love to have a cause to rile up against and say, forget you, I'm going to do what I want. 
Because that's our sin nature. That's, that's what Satan did. <laughs> I want to be like you, God. Forget you. But Daniel submits himself and he says, ask this one over him if he would do this. And look, Daniel had been conducting himself in a way that earned him favor. Verse 9, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Daniel sought to be an upstanding young man in this school. And he had garnered favor. And he wasn't, he wasn't angling. This isn't political. This is, just, this is just being a nice person. Just, just being somebody who's pleasant and kind and respectful. God had given Daniel favor in the sight of this eunuch. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I, listen, young man, I, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and drink. He said, I'm following orders from the king, and I'm afraid that if I don't give you this food, do you know what's going to happen? My head's going to be taken from me. I'm going to suffer the punishment of the king. He's going to look at you and think, why are these young men so hungry? They should be fed and they should be ready and willing to learn and, and they're emaciated. And whose fault is this? It's your fault, eunuch. Off with his head. <laughs> so he himself is worried about his position from the king. And Daniel said then, to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over these young men in, in verse 11. So this is kind of the in-between, and he, he presents a plan. The chief eunuch says, I don't know about this. I don't think this is good. And Daniel doesn't say, well, forget you. I'm going to do what I want. Daniel comes up with, with, with a test. Okay, let me work with you. Let, let me work with you. He says, how about this? Ten days. 10 days. How many of you have seen the, uh, a miraculous 10-day diet on Facebook, right? 10 days, and you'll lose, you know, 200 pounds and gain 40 pounds of muscle and look the best you've ever had. 10 days, right? Too good to be true. <laughs> it is too good to be true. Um, Daniel says, test your servants for 10 days. Just give us vegetables, that word vegetables. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, Ugh, they're not just eating celery for 10 days, <laughs> That word vegetable literally means anything from the ground or from a seed. So this would include fruits or vegetables, seeds and nuts, and also breads and grains. So this would still be a full diet. Like they aren't there with their cup of water and, uh, um, you know, and their slices of, of carrots and celery or, or broccoli, whatever it is. This would still be a, a full diet of grains and fruits and vegetables. So he says... Let us eat vegetables for 10 days and drink water. And then after 10 days, let our appearance be compared to those who are eating the food that you've given to them, verse 13. And we'll see what happens. So Daniel presents this test. Daniel respectfully disagrees and says, can we do this? Can we try this? He comes up with a solution. Because he doesn't want the chief eunuch's head to fall off. <laughs> he doesn't want to cause any, any issues in that sense. So he presents this test. And at the end of 10 days, verse 15, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. That word fatter means healthier, fuller, means not gaunt. It's not that they put on a ton of fat, but they just, they looked healthy compared to those who had eaten the king's food. So verse 16, the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. That refers to Daniel and his friends, not to all the young men, just to Daniel and his friends. 
Daniel faithfully disagreed with authority and presented this test. He sought to hold to God's standard. And his desire to hold God's standard did not make him a jerk. Too many believers have a right desire to honor God's standard, but it makes them terrible people to be around that it ruins their testimony. Daniel seeks the good of his own, but also of those around him. In his disagreement, he does so in a respectful manner, in honoring God and honoring those authority that he has put in his life. Daniel conducted himself around these unbelievers, seeking to leave a good taste, not a bad taste, in their mouths. Again and again, we'll see in Daniel's writing how this instances of Daniel seeking the welfare of those whom he's serving. We'll see it with Nebuchadnezzar and with Darius and with uh, Belteshazzar, where Daniel is seeking the good of the pagan person who has authority over him. Never to the point of defiling himself, but always seeking to honor God by honoring them. So the way that you conduct yourself around unbelievers, especially those in authority over you, is it a positive testimony or a negative testimony for Christ? Are they clear where you stand, but they still enjoy being around you? Now, to a certain extent, the unbelieving world is going to think we're weird. Because we believe certain things, we won't do certain things because it's sin. We understand that. We're a peculiar people. But as much as we can be, we need to be kind and gracious and wanting the best for those around us. My youth leader growing up uh, in my hometown, very, very godly man. He owns a farm supply business, interacts with all kinds of different people. All kinds of different people. He is kind and he is gracious. He is bold with the gospel. He has high standards of honoring God. And sometimes that brings into conflict sometimes. I know with others. I've been witnessed. I worked for him in high school. I heard conversations on the phone. But through it all, he sought to honor God by honoring those around him. And you wouldn't believe the testimony for Christ that he has in our small town. People may not agree with him, but they know that he's a kind generous man who wants the best for people. That's the kind of believer I want to be. Not one who says, wow, you're weird and, and, and you just rain on everybody's parade and, and cause all kinds of issues, but okay, you faithfully follow what you believe and, and I don't agree with you, but you are a kind, generous person who wants the good for others. Especially those in authority over you. We need to respectfully seek to honor God by honoring and loving and being kind to those around us, seeking their good as well. And then third here, faithful resolve means leaving the results up to God. Daniel resolved that he would not eat the food or drink the wine. Daniel disagreed with those in authority and sought to make a way to respectfully disagree with them, to see an outcome. And, and ultimately, in doing that, he left the results up to God. Daniel wasn't sure that he was going to be a fatter appearance after the 10 days. Daniel didn't know what it was going to cost him. But Daniel left the results up to God. And this is important for us. We could read this passage and say, well, if we honor God, everything is going to go perfect. And we're going to have 
position and authority like Daniel, right? No, it's not the case. Think of some other examples in the Old Testament. What about Joseph? Now, Joseph came to high position, but what was that whole issue with Potiphar and his wife? Here's Joseph seeking to honor God and stick to his standards, and what, what was the result? He gets thrown into jail. False accusation. When we seek to honor God, faithfully resolve to worship Him alone, we leave the results up to Him. We can't control the outcome. Throughout the history of Christianity, there have been faithful men and women who have held to God's standard, seeking to worship Him alone above the pressures of the culture around them, and they lost their lives. whether it was through martyrdom, through persecution. They were faithful to the end. They resolved to not defile themselves, to worship God alone, and that ended up in their death. But that does not mean that they lost. But rather, their ultimate result was to being with Christ. The joy that was set before them, they, they laid aside all these earthly things and they pursued Christ and He was their ultimate reward. And we will receive that honor from God whether in this life or ultimately the next. What does Paul say in Philippians 1? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether Paul lived, he would seek Christ and when Paul died, he wouldn't care because what would he gain? Christ. We leave the results up to God. Now we see here in God's sovereignty how he blessed Daniel and his friends. Verse 17, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Daniel here is set apart that he is understanding in visions and dreams, which is a huge part of the book of Daniel <laughs> that we'll get into next week. These four young men, God sovereignly gave them this understanding and skill. That, verse 18, at the end of their time, when the king had commanded them that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. So this is after three years. They've gone through all the classes, all the training. They're standing before the king. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them was found, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These four were top of the class. And in fact, there were none like them in the rest of the kingdom. Every matter of wisdom and understanding which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters. These are words to describe like uh, soothsayers or astrologers, all the, all the different types of magic that the Babylonians sought to use to figure out the days and the times and, and what's going to happen. But Daniel and his friends had more understanding and wisdom than all of them, ten times more in all of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. God blessed them through giving them wisdom and understanding, the ability to interpret visions and dreams. He did this as they faithfully resolved not to defile themselves. Now you and I aren't going to get the ability to interpret visions and dreams. We have the full revealed, full revealed word of God. God instantly isn't going to make you a genius or understand 
sociopolitical affairs of the world. But God's blessing on us as we remain faithful to Him, and set our standards on Him, is something that can never be taken away. God honors us as we seek to honor Him. We reap what we sow. It may not be as we think. It may not be in something physical. But honoring God is first and foremost in our lives. And that comes blessing. But we must be careful not to think of this as a transactional formula. Well, I do this, God, you're going to do this. God doesn't have to do anything. But we understand that God's blessing is often found in ways we can never think or may not realize until after the fact. But that doesn't matter. We set our mind, our hearts, our souls, and not defiling ourselves and seeking to honor God. Our purpose, as was Daniel's, is to seek to honor God in all that we do, regardless of the circumstances. We leave the results up to Him, for His grace and His blessing may not be seen clearly in this life, but for sure in the next. It is worth it. The sacrifices, the not defiling ourselves, the resolve to follow God, it is worth it. Why? Because we see how God has ultimately blessed us looking back to the cross and understanding as we live this life for Christ, it may be filled with hardships and sufferings, yes, but we know the ultimate end is eternity with Him. We leave the results up to Him and we faithfully seek to worship Him alone in our lives. Verse 21, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel throws this in from the events at the beginning of chapter 1 until verse 21, it's well over uh, 80 years. Daniel sees the rise and fall of many kings of Babylon, even into the kingdom of the Persians. They have their power, they have their authority, they have their might, but who remains? Daniel. Ultimately, not by Daniel's own power, but by God's sovereign hand. God demonstrates his sovereignty through the rising and falling of nations, through his blessing of Daniel, and having him in this position to speak truth into the lives of those whom he's serving, to be a representative of God, and to be faithful as God works on the nation, as God is preparing them, disciplining them, to bring them back home. May we understand that though the cultural pressure around us is telling us to do one thing or to do another, to do this or do that. Through all of that, may we seek to honor through faithful resolve God by worshiping Him alone. Set our standard, His standards as ours that we would respectfully disagree with the world around us and ultimately leave the results up to Him. Father, thank You for the example here from Daniel. Thank You for the pattern, Lord, that we can emulate, not in our own strength, but through your grace and mercy that you've shown to us, knowing that the ultimate, the ultimate reward is Christ. And we can look back and see him, see his death on the cross for us. And looking forward, Lord, to his ultimate return, may we set our hearts on him. May we seek to live out the gospel with those around us in a way that garners you praise, and respect, and admiration, and a testimony. Lord, may we seek to honor you in all that we say and do. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.